Chapter 30 of the Book of Snobs by W. M. Thackeray. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of Snobs by W. M. Thackeray. Chapter 30 On Some Country Snobs. At last came that fortunate day at the Evergreens when I was to be made acquainted with some of the county families with whom only people of Ponto's rank condescended to associate. And now, although poor Ponto had just been so cruelly made to bleed on occasion of his son's new uniform, and though he was in the direst and most cutthroat spirits with an overdrawn account of the bankers and other pressing evils of poverty, although a tenpenny bottle of marsala and an awful parsimony presided generally at his table, yet the poor fellow was obliged to assume the most frank and jovial air of cordiality and all the covers being removed from the hangings, and new dresses being procured for the young ladies, and the family plate being unlocked and displayed, the house and all within assumed a benevolent and festive appearance. The kitchen fires began to blaze, the good wine ascended from the cellar, a professed cook actually came over from Guttlebury to compile culinary abominations. Stripes was in a new coat, and so was Ponto, for wonder, and Tumis's button-suit was worn en permanence. And all this to show off the little lord, thinks I, all this in honour of a stupid little cigarified cornet of dragoons who can barely write his name, while an eminent and profound moralist like somebody is fobbed off with cold mutton and relays of pig. Well, well, a martyrdom of cold mutton is just bearable. I pardon Mrs. Ponto, from my heart I do, especially as I wouldn't turn out of the best bedroom in spite of all her hints, but held my ground in the shins tester vowing that Lord Gules, as a young man, was quite small and hearty enough to make himself comfortable elsewhere. The great Ponto party was a very august one. The Hawbucks came in their family coach, with the blood-red band emblazoned all over it, and their man in yellow livery waited in country fashion at table, only to be exceeded in splendour by the Hipsleys, the opposition baronet, in light blue. The old ladies Fitzague drove over in their little old chariot with the fat black horses, the fat coachman, the fat footman. Why are dowagers as horses and footmen always fat? And soon after these personages had arrived with their auburn fronts and red beaks and turbans came the honourable and reverend Lionel Petipois, who with General and Mrs. Sago formed the rest of the party. Lord and Lady Frederick Howlett were asked, but they have friends at Ivy Bush, Mrs. Ponto told me, and that very morning the Castle Haggard sent an excuse, as her ladyship had a return of the quinsy. Between ourselves, Lady Castle Haggard's quinsy always comes on when there is dinner at the Evergreens. If the keeping of polite company could make a woman happy, surely my kind hostess, Mrs. Ponto, was on that day a happy woman. Every person present— except the unlucky impostor who pretended to a connection with the snobbington family and general sago who had brought home i don't know how many lakhs of rupees from india was related to the peerage or the baronage mrs p had her heart's desire if she had been an earl's daughter herself could she have expected better company and her family were in the oil trade at bristol as all her friends very well know what I complained of in my heart was not the dining, which for this once was plentiful and comfortable enough, but the prodigious dullness of the talking part of the entertainment. Oh, my beloved brother, snobs of the city, if we love each other no better than our country brethren, at least we amuse each other more. If we bore ourselves, we are not called upon to go ten miles to do it. For instance, the Hipsleys came ten miles from the south, and the Hawbucks ten miles from the north of the Evergreens, and were magnates in two different divisions of the county of Mangle-Wurzelshire. 
Hipsley, who was an old baronet with a bothered estate, did not care to show his contempt for Hawbuck, who is a new creation and rich. Hawbuck, on his part, gives himself patronizing airs to General Sago, who looks upon the Pontos as little better than paupers. "'Old Lady Blanche,' says Ponto, "'I hope will leave something to her goddaughter, my second girl. We've all of us half-poisoned ourselves with taking her physic.' Lady Blanche and Lady Rose Fitzague have, the first, a medical, and the second, a literary turn. I'm inclined to believe the former had a wet compress around her body on the occasion when I had the happiness of meeting her. She doctors everybody in the neighborhood of which she is the ornament, and has tried everything on her own person. She went into court and testified publicly her faith in St. John Long. She swore by Dr. Buchan. She took quantities of Gambouge's universal medicine and whole boxfuls of Parr's life pills. She has cured a multiplicity of headaches by Squinstone's eye-snuff. She wears a picture of Hahnemann in her bracelet and a lock of Priesnitz hair in a brooch. She talked about her own complaints and those of her confidant for the time being to every lady in the room successively, from our hostess down to Miss Wirt, taking them into corners and whispering about bronchitis, hepatitis, St. Vitus, neuralgia, cephalalgia, and so forth. I observed poor fat Lady Hawbuck in a dreadful alarm, after some communication regarding the state of her daughter, Miss Lady Hawbuck's health, and Mrs. Sago turned quite yellow and put down her third glass of Madeira at a warning glance from Lady Blanche. Lady Rose talked literature and about the book club at Gettlebury, and is very strong in voyages and travels. She has a prodigious interest in Borneo, and displayed a knowledge of the history of the Punjab and Kafirland that does credit to her memory. Old General Sago, who sat perfectly silent and plethoric, roused up as from a lethargy when the former country was mentioned, and gave the company his story about a hog-hunt and ram-jugger. I observed her ladyship treated with something like contempt her neighbor the Reverend Lionel Petitpois, a young divine, whom you may track through the country by little awakening books, at half a crown a hundred, which dribble out of his pockets wherever he goes. I saw him give Miss Wirt a sheaf of The Little Washerwoman on Putney Common, and to Miss Hawbuck a couple of dozen of Meat in the Tray, or The Young Butcher Boy Rescued and on paying a visit to Guttlebury Gal, I saw two notorious fellows waiting their trial there and temporarily occupied with a game of cribbage, to whom his reverence offered a tract as he was walking over Crackshins Common, and who robbed him of his purse, umbrella, and cambric handkerchief, leaving him the tracts to distribute elsewhere. End of chapter 30